Welcome to the TBE Richmond Podcast. I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. On this feed, you'll hear sermons, teachings, music, conversations with guests, and so much more from us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia. Thanks for learning and growing with us. Firstly, I apologize for the slightly warm environment that we are in this morning. As we settle into the building, things settle and things don't. Well, it's hold. One of the readings of Passover is Exodus 12, 21 to 12, 51. We see the Israelites being instructed to sacrifice the lamb and paint the lintels and door frames with its blood. So the angel of death would know which houses to pass over during the 10th plague, the killing of the firstborn, which led to Pharaoh telling Moshe to take his people and go. Now, whenever I am asked my top five movies, the 10 commandments is always in there. The other four are subject to change, but Cecil always stays in the top 10, the top five, sorry. I still remember the first time I saw it at the age of eight. Wow, this was serious stuff. And the most amazing part even to this day, no CGI. Those shots of thousands of people were shots of thousands of people. But the images that burned themselves into my mind were the scenes that begin with the angel of death first hovering over the capital and then descending to carry out its most terrible task. To my eight-year-old self, it was just a cloud, hardly scary. But then to see the devastation it wrought as it moved through the city chilled me. And the last image I'll never forget. It is of an Egyptian woman slumped against a wall with a baby basket. Whoever the extra was, she was a virtuoso. Her face was a masterclass in loss and her vacant expression of bottomless grief tugs at my heartstrings even when I watch the film today. And I will watch it again this weekend, it's a tradition of mine. You see, even now, and along with my eight-year-old self, I look back and wonder how a God of infinite compassion could do this. When I was going through Bible study to become a born-again Christian at the age of 13, a whole other story, I assure you, I asked, there was someone involved. I asked my then reverend the same question. He said, love and strength exist side by side. We must sometimes do what is strong, even if it is not an act of love. I thought about that answer for many years, and then at my previous synagogue, I asked the senior rabbi the same question. His response was somewhat different, as I would expect from him. He said, Hashem had to kick butt. Pharaoh was going to continue the torture and murdering of our people. Hashem had to use one of Pharaoh's own tactics to finally break his heart. I'm the first person to raise my hand and say I'm not a Torah scholar or even a half-competent parashah student, and yet when I read these sections of Torah, often multiple times, I am overwhelmed at the depth of the complexity of what I'm reading. And in my Jewish Learning Project study group, Team Havarim, I am often left speechless at the breadth of complexity that my team members come up with in their study of the same portion. By the way, if you haven't joined the Jewish Learning Project yet, please, Talk to Rabbi, it's an excellent initiative. There are so many themes in this portion that I could wax lyrical for hours. An accomplished Torah student like Rabbi or Cantor could probably go for days or weeks. But the importance of this passage does not escape me. The Israelites had to be freed. As such, this took an act of God that often leaves me confused and struggling. The various attributes of Hashem, masculine and feminine, often had me in conflict with the teachings and pages of Torah. God struck down the firstborn of Egypt with no pause. 
Now, in Hashem's defense, they had sent nine warnings previous to that. And in, in Hashem's second defense, I do not forget or forgive the Egyptian slaughter of the Israelites firstborn that saw Moshe being cast into the waters. Now, this may not have been the Pasha Devar you were expecting, but in a time when identity is often questioned, I choose to use my Devar to look at the identity and attributes of Hashem. You see, Hashem was the nurturer, caretaker of the Israelites, and also the warrior with a hardened heart prepared to do the most, that the most monstrous of acts, murder. In preparation for this and any Devar I do, I went to the historical comment commentaries available, the Reform, the Conservative, and also our good friends, Hillel, Rashi, and Rambam. The complexity of Torah is reflected in these commentaries and in a way that is truly beautiful to me. It is the most eloquent example of that old joke. Put two Jews in a room, how many opinions do you get? As many as they want. Some discuss the need of the Israelites to recognize themselves as an oppressed people and therefore then be able to take the conscious act of freeing themselves. And in this case, they were directed to wipe the doorposts with the lamb's blood. Others looked to the reluctant leadership of Moshe as he knowingly assisted in the slaughtering of those who were once his people. Others, actually the minority, looked towards Hashem and the potential moral quandary that they were placed in. When I was studying to become Jewish, a student in my class asked the question I myself had raised my hand to ask. Why don't we talk about the difficulty God was put in? One of the Jewish attributes of God is omnibenevolence. Our God is ever caring, nurturing, loving, and supportive of us and humanity, and those who don't believe. Whilst we will never understand the thoughts of a divine being, I do wonder as to the anguish this decision must have had. Our divine creator and sovereign created us in their image. With that in mind, they must then have some very similar emotions to what we do. If I was told to lift my hand and strike down another to save the majority, I don't know if I could do it. The idea of killing is anathema to me. How then must it have hurt the divine creator of all things to not simply conceive of the sentence, but then, to hand down the act of murdering Egypt's firstborn. I am certain that there was a parallel of emotion here, joy at the release of a people, sadness at the pain of a people struck down. If my memory serves, and I am getting older, there is a lack of music throughout the deaths of the firstborn in Cecil's film, but there is naturally frequent wailing and screaming. Now as someone older and hopefully wiser, it breaks my heart when I get to this point in the film. When I study this portion, I rejoice in the Israelites being finally allowed to go free, but I also feel the pain and suffering of the Egyptians. After all, to ignore the suffering of my enemy is to become my enemy. Compassion is not a pie. There is no limit to it. I can feel compassion for those who would wish me harm, even if I also feel rage at their violent desires. I cannot help but wonder at the dichotomy of Hashem's role during this time in the Torah. This wasn't where I expected my Devar to go. Indeed, I thought it was going to be something completely different. Compassion and moral quandary were, were not my initial themes for this. But perhaps that is the true joy and gift that is the study of Torah, the unexpected lesson that returns to such a human and simplistic revelation. I wish you all a meaningful and joyous Passover. May many wonderful things be revealed to you.
hag hesak semeak. This has been the TBE Richmond podcast. Once again, I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. On behalf of all of us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia, thanks for listening. I hope this episode was uplifting and enriching. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. And please rate and review us so others will have an easier time joining the conversation. Our theme music is composed and produced by Stephen Frost. Learn more about our dynamic, warm, and passionate congregation affiliated with the United Synagogue of Conservative Judaism at www.bethelrichmond.org. Until next time, shalom y'all.